Hi there. Welcome to The Passion Project, a podcast featuring stories about passion by students from the University of Michigan. My name is Vivian Lin, and today my classmates and I are going to explore the topic of love and gender in the 21st century. For our first story, I'll be taking us to the First Congregational Church of Ann Arbor, where they're crossing the traditional boundaries of religion and embracing same-sex marriage with open arms. Whatever your story is, you're welcome here. This is what's printed on the purple banners gracing the stone walls of the First Congregational Church of Ann Arbor. Since 1849, this church has been part of the city's landscape, well known for being accepting and tolerant to all, especially those of the same-sex community. I got to sit down with Betty Yankee, the church's wedding coordinator, and speak to her about breaking down the barrier between religion and same-sex marriage. I have been in this position for probably about nine years. Really what I am is a liaison between the couple, their families, and the church. You know, some of the first weddings that I took part in with same-sex couples were, you know, it's hard to actually put words to it. I mean, it, it was pretty amazing, and I felt really honored, um, you know, to be part of that. It was just, it was and still is really a very, um, yeah, something I'm really proud of. Despite the growth and acceptance, Darcy Crane Polly, the church's associate minister, who herself is in a same-sex marriage, knows firsthand the struggle between these traditionally conflicting identities. It was a dichotomy. You could either be gay or Christian, and you couldn't be both. You know, looking, looking back, the only regret I have on our own wedding is that we were so nervous about what other people would think. Ironically, the church community I was planted in at that time um, in North Chicago was more accepting than my own family who was present. And their, their love and acceptance overpowered my parents' uh, lack of acceptance. There was a slow process of education, and so when I got pregnant, the, it was clear to me that the, the congregation had kind of completed that level of um, acceptance because they threw a huge baby shower and were completely overjoyed about it. Although some were initially opposed to Darcy because of a sexual orientation, the passion they share for their religion became the root of the growth and acceptance within the church. They aim to lead by example and hope that others within our community will soon open their doors as well. To be part of a day that um, is so special for them, you know, that's really it. I mean, it's just such a special day. You know, you hope that they only do this once in their lifetime. Obviously, we have no idea, but, you know, you obviously want to make sure that this day, you know, is the day that they hoped for and wished for and make it come true. Hello guys and welcome to The Happiness Project. This is your host Karina Sanchez and today's episode we are going to talk about um, love and passion with one of my good friends and also my academic advisor, Nicholas King. So my name is Nick King. I am an academic advisor in the Conference of Studies program. And what would you say you are passionate about? Mm. I think my biggest passion is for politics, mm-hmm. um, especially being somebody who's in education. I feel like the political sphere and education often intertwine. Mm-hmm. And so being able to see how that happens on both levels and how the intersection of those happens is very much a big passion of mine. Real question, Bernie or Hillary? No, just <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> I can okay. go with either one. Oops, sorry, got a little sidetrack there. All right, back to it. And how do you define happiness? 
<laughs> That's a great question. Um, I define happiness as really two things, mm -hmm. safety and security. That makes sense. And with your relationship, would you say you feel secure? Absolutely. There's no question about that. We have been in a partnership going on seven years, mm -hmm. but we have known each other for 15. 15. Wow, that's a really long time. Yeah. Just so we go 34. And what sets your partner apart from other people that you have met? Again, thinking about the happiness piece, it's the safety and security. Mm -hmm. And so he makes me feel like I am secure in who I am. And in a relationship, do you believe that passion and love are the same thing? good question um i would say in my own opinion i think that they are mm -hmm. because i think that it's hard to separate the two could you stay in a relationship if you had one and not the other wow these are hard questions <laughs> um i, I never You're thought welcome. about these questions before <laughs> right challenge me um i probably could but i would also say too that i could probably live more so without the passion than with the love do you believe in love at first sight no no? Why not? I don't because, to me, love takes time. Okay. So love is more of a process. Yes, it okay. is. So what advice do you have to other couples for having that, not just love, but passion in your relationship? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've known him for 15 sure. years. You definitely have oh, to have some yes. advice. <laughs> yes. Are you talking about same-sex couples, opposite sex? Uh, I think Any? just in general. Okay. Mm -hmm. Be okay with the unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, we're always thinking about what lies ahead the next day, the next year, the next decade. And how do you think you keep that positive attitude? Because we're always looking forward to what we can do together. We try to really focus in on what we know we can control. Would you say he's your best friend? Yes. Hands down? Hands down. Without a doubt? With no <laughs> doubt. I mean, I love my mother, I love my father, um, but he's my best friend. No doubt. All right. Well, yeah. I think that's good. Cool. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Erin Ialp. This next piece you will hear is an interview with Joshua, a dancer on the University of Michigan team, Encore. He talks about being a male dancer, gender roles in dance, and what it's like to follow your passions. I'm Josh, uh, Joshua Luxem. I'm a junior at the University of Michigan. I'm studying math. I'm a part of Encore. Uh, we're a multicultural hip-hop group on campus. You're my new addiction! This is my first official dance experience, I think, being part of Encore. I've always wanted to be a dancer, so I figured now that I was in college, I might as well seek out a team and try to kind of formalize that, or at least set some deadlines, set some goals for myself. I felt kind of worried because I knew that there were mostly, um, it was a mostly female team, even though it was co-ed. But I don't think that's a problem. I feel like there are decidedly feminine moves in most of the choreographies. I think that's also inescapable. I know I used to, used to not be completely comfortable with performing these choreographies and I think that it's more a uh, more freedom of movement just by how people have learned to dance, the, the movements that people like to do, the movements that people think feel natural in their own bodies. And if we're learning choreography based on what other people have been taught or based on what other people want to teach, then I think it's kind of unavoidable that we encounter feminine moves, especially if there's a girl teaching the dance. And everyone join in on the clap. At the same time, I don't think that I felt any kind of negative judgment learning those kinds of dances or those kinds of moves, especially given that there are other boys on the team who kind of perform them equally well with just as much energy as the girls do. You kind of want to dig into these, these gender roles and you kind of want to see, well, why is it that people think this way? But it's really hard because you don't, you don't want to assume that everyone thinks a certain way. If you're thinking that 
that dance is a predominantly girl thing. And if everyone thinks that way, then of course that's gonna that's gonna proliferate, right? When you see dances from other cultures and when educational videos, what have you, you know, it tends to be pretty even. I think across the genders. I think it's only it's a lot of things like ballet, maybe that is construed as more feminine. And that's that may be because of the the delicacy, the grace of the moves, more than um, the people who are in it or the people who are you know keeping it alive. There are plenty of amazing male dancers, you know, in every style, and of course there are plenty of amazing female dancers, you know. So I think it's a then that becomes a question of who you let yourself be inspired by, right? If you're willing to watch the people who um, who really get your blood pumping or who really um, make you want to get out there and dance and it's a matter of whether you care about their gender or not you know and I think that's more of an individual decision in general when it comes to your passions I think that those are private things uh, maybe not private in the sense that you're doing them by yourself but private in the sense that they're um, they're kind of you kind of tailor them to your own interests you kind of tailor them to how you see them as opposed to how everyone else sees them. That's kind of what makes them your passion, right? Because you're willing to pursue them in spite of maybe others' opinions, in spite of your own doubts, your own shortcomings. And you're willing to give them the effort it takes, whether it be in private or whether it be in public, however you want it. And that concludes our final episode of the podcast series, The Passion Project. Thank you for listening.